Hey, I'm Savannah. And I'm Audie, and we're the Politos. We're here talking about simplifying our life, growing and loving our family, and learning about the world. And today we're doing a book review of Take Back Your Family. I have something I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yeah? Surprisingly. Go ahead. There's this, like, health trend, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Going around. And I mentioned it, I think I mentioned it to you in passing, like, weeks ago. Uh Uh-huh. But I just uh, recently saw somebody talking about it in, like, more detail. Okay. And I just want to talk about it. Go ahead. There's something about it that seems so off-putting to me. Uh Uh-huh. And I just want to hear your thoughts. Okay. So, are you familiar with mouth taping? Oh, you, you mentioned it to me. Yeah. That's when you tape your mouth, obviously, uh, during... Uh, when you're going to sleep. Oh, yeah. So, I first started seeing this with no explanation on a couple of um, these, like, aesthetic nighttime routine reels. Oh, my gosh. And so, it was, it was always this, like, girl getting ready for bed and doing, like, her whole nighttime routine. And then the last thing was, like, (laughs) taping her mouth. Oh, my goodness. And so there was no explanation, but I was like, what the heck? So I saw this a couple times. Yeah. And then just this week, I finally heard somebody actually talking about it. Okay. So I guess the idea behind it is pretty much exactly what you would expect. It's, like, to um, get yourself to breathe through your nose while you're sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) So this lady whose stories I was watching, she was talking about how she had like a sore on her mouth or something, mm-hmm. or I forgot, some something was going on with her mouth, and she thought it was related to like drooling while she sleeps. Okay. So a bunch of people started recommending to her, oh, tr- you should try mouth taping. And she didn't know what it was, so she started like learning about it and talking about it. And I just find this, I haven't looked into really any of like the science behind it, whether it's safe or anything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm certainly not recommending it. It seems so off-putting to me. It seems so bizarre that this is a trend. Yeah. And it seems dangerous to me. Like, that's my first impression of it, is that it seems dangerous. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts? I I think it's dangerous for sure. I I agree with you that that you could essentially, like... Like, I don't think it's natural for our mouths to be fully closed while we're sleeping. I mean, I get the idea that maybe that's, like, ideal to breathe through your nose when you're yeah. sleeping. Yeah. I think I have heard that before. Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay. And I'm not saying it is dangerous because I don't know. Yeah. But that's, I'm just saying that's my, like, impression of it. Right. Is it's, it feels wrong and it seems dangerous to me. Yeah. It's a good question to ask, like, what's the science behind it? I want to argue that there's no science at all, <laughs> just like... Like that it hasn't been studied. Like most or all of the trends. It, yeah. It's trending because it's a new thing, and so I think that because it's new, I don't think there's enough research mm-hmm. to back it up, or studies to back it up, you know? So I think this is going to require some time of... Uh, of uh, research and and I think that by the time they have the science, I'm sure this trend is going to die down and mm-hmm. it's not going to be 
popular and stuff. So I don't think that people are going to do that. They, they just yeah. move on to my move to an, uh, another thing. That being said, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. Me personally, because I do have actually some sleep issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I've talked about this here. I will be talking to my sleep doctor again. And I think I, I might bring this up. Like how, how does your body, how does your body's like, what, what, what happens to your body as you're sleeping? Like I want to learn, I want to, I want to learn a little bit about like, how does your body really like rest and like, what's all this, like the, the cycles and stuff and mm-hmm. the importance of the, the REM cycle and other cycles. And also <laughs> just how does your, how should your throat, your nose and how, your breathing uh, function as you're sleeping? Like ideally, ideally, right? Because yeah. mine is, is off and they, the doctor pretty much said, I'm gonna have sleep apnea. Yeah. And actually speaking of that, Um, one of the, like, some of the feedback that this person got about mouth taping was that you should test yourself, you should get tested for sleep apnea before you try it because it's dangerous if you do have sleep apnea. Yeah. Because you're already not getting enough oxygen. Right. While you sleep. Yeah. That's the thing. So for me, I think, I don't think it's, it's okay. And I wouldn't advise that because I have some struggles with, like, breathing. And Mm -hmm. there's times where when I feel like I need to gasp for some air through mm-hmm. my mouth. And so taping my mouth would just be the opposite of what I need to need to do. So I don't, I don't like the idea of this. Yeah. I, I really think it's scary. And I, I think it's scary. It's very interesting. I'm sure some sleep doctors might already have the answer to this. Yeah. So I will ask my sleep doctor and get back to you oh, within okay. what this, this month or so. I also want to point out that you wouldn't necessarily even know that you had no. sleep apnea or had this issue if I hadn't basically told you. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's important to note too, that just because you think like, oh, I don't have any sleep issues, like you actually could. Right. Yeah. And some people were recommending kids doing this. Oh my gosh. And so the idea behind it, I feel like this is definitely going into like sort of the crunchy like natural remedy type of realm. Because I guess the idea behind it is that like, it'll sort of quote unquote, like retrain your body to breathe through your nose. And like over time, Mm -hmm. that you'll actually be able to get like plenty of oxygen and stuff that you, and like be breathing as you quote unquote should be while you're sleeping. Yeah. But also a dental hygienist, (laughs) gave like weighed in and said that you should try it out during the day first to see like how your breathing is during the day. But I still feel like even if you did that at night, it's like, it's different because when you're like lying down and I don't know, right? it just freaks me out too. Like what if you get, get like a stuffy nose during the night? Yeah. And I, I think maybe that if you really were like, struggling for air or something mm-hmm. obviously the tape is not like you're not like gluing your lips together <laughs> i'm you probably could open your mouth i'm sure but it just seems so like it just seems ridiculous to me and it does genuinely seem very dangerous to me but i obviously don't know yeah i think that i mean you could essentially like you know bring out like bust out like the gorilla tape 
and that's a heavy duty tape where <laughs> isn't it gorilla glue oh no I, they might have actually gorilla tape they might yeah i think i think i've seen that but anyway like you could pretty much wrap the whole like sucker all, all the way like around your head you know i don't cover <laughs> i don't think that's the way it's done but yeah I'm saying, I mean, you could go to the extreme measure of, like, I'm not going to open my mouth, period. Yeah. But what if, like, <laughs> in the middle of the night, you have a stuffy nose? I think you mentioned that, That's right? What you said, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what if certain things happen where I know. you can't really breathe through your nose? It. So, I think that... Yeah, the way I saw... Silly. I've seen it is just, like, a small piece of tape that's just, like, covering the middle of your lips. Okay. And I guess it's just, like, enough to, like, encourage your mouth to stay closed. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm extremely skeptical of this. I am too. Just like I think that we should be with new things. Yeah. Be skeptical about it. Um, but who knows? Are we going to stay in the skeptical side once we know the information? <laughs> I, I mean, know. I don't know. But for me, I, I don't recommend that at all whatsoever. Like, you don't know if you have sleep issues. Yeah. Right? Like, it, thankfully, you have been aware of that since being married, right? Like, to me. <laughs> it's weird phrasing there. But, you know, since we got yeah. married, right? And so I think that that was really cool that you brought those things up. And so I've had, I'm not sure how long I've had this issue, mm-hmm. right? It m- might have been, like, maybe years, like, before. Yeah. Maybe a whole lot, my whole life, maybe. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it is um, dangerous. So it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you stay away from it if... You don't know your own body, you know, and how yeah, you sleep and stuff. I know. So, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to bring that up to the sleep doctor, just be, uh, among other questions of, like, just how does your body naturally, like, sleep, and how does that, like, what does that look like, right? Yeah. And also, I wonder if the, my dentist would know the answer to this, too, since you brought up the dental hygienist. Oh, yeah, true. I've been to the dentist a lot more doing this this past like few months and stuff so i did bring up to her the uh, my sleeping uh issues and, yeah and she has some like information and some advice to give me mm-hmm. pass along to my sleep doctor so um i'm sure they're aware of that because it involves the the throat the mouth right yeah 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 interesting it is fascinating so it's uh good to to know if we've ever thought you know like mm-hmm. how you gotta like really um be be careful with these trends yeah, for yeah. sure. Am I save your life or, or not, you know? Mm-hmm. So be careful. <laughs> yeah. In other news, I want to talk about the the recent thing that we discovered about our hometown here, mm-hmm. Merced. It's kind of weird oh, to say yeah. hometown, but uh, here in Merced. I don't think this is our hometown. Isn't your hometown like where you grew up? I guess so. Okay, well, the place we live at. <laughs> See, it's kind of weird the the city our town our town our city our town uh has had i don't know for how long every month i think they do this every month there's a banner hung between two poles right next to this like high school i believe it's like around the block from our place yeah so we pass it a lot yeah every time we need to go to like target or something we have to go that way so and it's like above the street yeah so you drive under it Mm mm-hmm We've noticed that there's bringing some more awareness, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool. So I think three months ago they were spreading awareness for, I believe, child support. I said child support awareness, which I don't know what that means. I don't. I, I well, I might. 
I think that, like, supporting Well, child. hang on. <laughs> that wasn't the first one we saw. Yeah, then that, and then it was um, the Casa, I believe. Before that. Oh, yeah, it was Casa, and so then So I think the support. first one we saw was, um, that we, like, took note of, was um, about, yeah, Casas. Yeah, Casas. That mm-hmm. was the biggest one. And then I think child child support. What do you mean that was the biggest one? I mean that that that, that was the first one <laughs> that we yeah that we took note of yeah yeah and uh, casas have to do with like the foster care system yeah um, we've talked about it before on the podcast actually mm-hmm. and so it's a volunteer position that works with children in foster care and then yeah then the next month I, I'm not positive if they change month to month but that makes sense yeah that does make sense they get a whole month. Yeah, and so then the next one we saw was, yeah, something about child support, but I don't exactly remember or know what it was about. Yeah, I think, I mean, it makes sense to, like, have that back-to-back with a CASA and uh, the child support just it, it involves children. And so I'm assuming that it's bringing awareness of, like, you know, these different uh, providers, uh, just different, different, like, sources that you go to that could help your child. You know? Not really. No? Well, I don't know. Child support usually refers to, like, when people are divorced and somebody's, like, paying child support. Oh, that's very true. I don't know. Yeah. Well. So I'm not sure what that one was about. But then this month, the new one is, (laughs) there's the train, is, um, I I think, I'm not sure if it's this month. No, it it was a week. Uh, last week maybe I can't remember, but there was a week recently that was like World Breastfeeding Week. Yeah. And so the banner was it said breastfeed anytime anywhere. Yeah. And public breastfeeding. That was the the the, the banner like awareness. It didn't say public breastfeeding. No, though. but that's the the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. So anytime anywhere. And it did mention a specific organization. It might have been WIC. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or it might have not been WIC. I can't remember. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. So that's the that's the current one, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, that'll be a new segment on this podcast. Um, we'll be updating you guys about what the new banner is. What's being hung? What? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a little sting. What's being hung? A sting? Yeah. I'll make it a, a sting. Or stinger? Is it a stinger? I don't know. I'm not sure I what you're referring sting. to. I've been learning a that, lot of new words this that's week. Uh, <laughs> that's the... It's like... That's just a term of like the, the little jingle. It's like it's like the word jingle. You know? Okay. That's so, what I figured based yeah, on yeah, the yeah. context. Yeah. It's like a... Yeah. It's a ton effect term, I guess. Okay. I think it's sting or stinger. I'm not sure if we're doing a good job of selling this uh, segment. But anyway, what's in the box? No, what was I saying? What's <laughs> what's being hung? Yeah, what's being hung? So yeah, so I think we could come up with something better than that. But. Well, can you? Um, exactly. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> um. Oh, another new word I learned this week. What are we done? I thought we were done talking about the banner. No, um, I asked you a question. Like, can you come up with something better? Oh, no, not right now. Okay, you just <laughs> moved on to something else. Yes, I think I could, but not right now. Okay, but let's get down to the nitty gritty because there's a lot of stuff to talk about uh, on this book here. So I'm very excited about it, and uh, yeah, we're talking about family today. Yes, but um, next week, mm-hmm. I think. 
I want to give um, a little update on some books I've been reading lately. Okay, cool. Nice. Might have made sense to do that in this episode, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Okay, so today we're talking about the book Take Back Your Family by Jefferson Bethke. Mm -hmm. I wanted to read this book from like the time that I knew it was coming out to the time I knew that he was writing it. When did this book come out? Not that long ago. He definitely references COVID in it. Okay, so like last year. That tells you anything. Um, Yeah, I think so. Let's see. If you can hear. That's the book right there. Hardcover. (laughs) Um, This book was copyrighted in 2021. Okay. So yeah, last year. I think the way we're going to do this book review is we're going to talk about some general themes that he discussed throughout the book. And then we'll talk about specific things that stood out to us and how um, maybe it changed our thinking on something or inspired us to like want to implement something in our lives or, you know, things like that. Kind of how it impacted us. Yeah. I like it. I love it. Okay. Perfect. So a little introduction to the book. The full title is Take Back Your Family from the Tyrants of Burnout, Busyness, Individualism, and the Nuclear Ideal. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some of the themes that he talks about in this book. I have some notes here that I'm going to refer to. Okay. In the book, he talks about, he kind of opens up by talking about um, a trip that he took to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. and the way that observing family life there impacted him and also the way that meeting family a family here in the u.s who he became close to yeah and seeing the way that they kind of just did family differently mm-hmm. how that really like challenged his view of the family and also just challenged like it just encouraged him to kind of look at the way that western culture views family why it is that way, yeah, and what maybe some of the problems are with it. Yeah. So one kind of summary, one way to sort of summarize what he sees as the a big issue with the way that family is viewed here in the West yeah, is that um, he says that our culture sees family as a springboard for the success of the individual. Mm-hmm. So he talks about how... He uses terms like the um, that family is often seen as like a parking lot, yeah, where all the members of the family come together to like meet briefly and then to like send each other off to the place where they spend most of their time and most of their energy, mm-hmm. which is usually like work or school mm-hmm. or some other place, yeah. And that the family is viewed as successful if each individual in the family is kind of living out their their sort of like ideal life, their ideal purpose, that it's basically just, like he said, a springboard for the individual. Mm-hmm. And that idea, to me, was new. I had never yeah. thought about that before. Right. But it did ring true. Mm-hmm. And sort of the more like examples that he gave and the more he kind of contrasted that with another way of looking at family, the more that I was able to sort of see 
what he was referring to. Mm-hmm. But I think that at first, it w- it's one of those things where it didn't make a lot of sense at first because that's really the only thing that I've ever known. Mm-hmm. Is like he's he's describing, he's trying to describe the culture that we live in in a way that... In the U.S. Yeah. 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 In a way that is like different than you may have heard it before so it's kind of it takes a minute to sort of like get your bearings of trying to figure (laughs) out exactly what he's referring to yeah you know Mm -hmm. one um very interesting and startling i guess thing that he talked about was this study that was done and it looked at a bunch of developed countries all across the world and it gave each country a rating from like Mm-hmm. Like a school rating, like A being the best and then F being the worst. Yeah. About how ideal that country is as a place to raise a family. Yeah. So it's specifically looking at um, countries and in, in relation to like raising a family there. Mm-hmm. And so out of um, all of the countries that were studied, there were only two countries that actually received an F. Mm-hmm. And that was the United States and Mexico. Mm-hmm. Those were the only two countries that received the an F rating. Yeah. And I guess he said that one of the people who was um, doing this w- found the results so shocking that they actually like re-ran the numbers because they yeah. were like, this can't be right. And it, it it was true. Right. And that was, again, just like very uh, surprising, you know, mm-hmm. because I think that especially in the United States, it's kind of seen as like this land of opportunity and mm-hmm. the, um, you know, the American dream mm-hmm. and all that. So to see it ranking so, so low on something that we, I think, claim to value so much as a family right. is very surprising and very sad. Yeah. So he, he uses the term nuclear family um, and the nuclear family ideal to explain sort of the way that... America views families. Yeah. And he gives two points that he he says um, that the Western family ideal operates on two universal laws, spoken or otherwise assumed. And so these are the two things that he says are like the universal laws of the nuclear ideal. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, I am or my success, feelings, and trajectory are the most important thing, not my family. Mm -hmm. Essentially, I am more important than the family. And then number two, anything that imposes limits on me at my expense is inherently wrong. So you can see here, he's kind of talking about just like this extreme individualism that um, really trumps and comes above the, the family unit. Yeah. That the family is designed to create the success of the individual not the other way around. Yeah. Okay, and then the last thing that I think is important to point out about sort of his description of the nuclear family ideal mm-hmm. is that they he describes them as being um, families that are being designed to fall apart. That mm-hmm. the, the family is created and operating in a way that it, it can't stay together long term and it can't like it doesn't exist for the perpetuation of the family only for the success of the individual so it's basically like creating it, it's just like designing itself to to fall apart and he even talks right. about how marriages often are just like practice grounds 
for divorce that it's mm-hmm. that marriage and family is so focused on the individual and focused on consumption mm-hmm. and dividing up the things that we have and the things that we're consuming and possessing that it's just a practice for um for divorce and for the family to yeah. to fall apart mm-hmm. so i thought that that was very very interesting he has some really good observations i'm not going to go into like all of the details <laughs> of everything but Really, really good observations there. So I guess let's stop here for a minute and talk about, I kind of gave my initial thoughts on that, how at first it was kind of confusing, but then it did make a lot of sense. So what what were your thoughts about, about that, like him kind of pointing out the problem? I thought that was um, really interesting. I think that the first, like you said, the first chapter talks about the Jerusalem family and mm-hmm. that I think it's like every Saturday there's a specific day in the week. They, all the family's there from youngest mm-hmm. to oldest from like the grandchild to the grandpa are there and they all have a shared part in the, the family dinner and that the dinners never missed. Right? Yeah. There's always like a prayer at the beginning. There's always just this like ritual part of it. It's really um, integral to, to the that family dynamic mm-hmm. and that family like event, right? And he talks about his like thoughts about that. It's like, well, we don't do that here. Like, when was the last you know when was the last time like we had a family like that? Like when everyone gathered, yeah. And um, and as we'll talk about later on, he actually talks about like he highlights specific families like in each chapter and talks about like you know, their experience and mm-hmm. stuff and their rituals and values and things they do and stuff advanced they do in order to have um, a healthy family, right? Uh, experience. Yeah. So my initial thought was like, like I immediately really um, listened mm-hmm. and, and was aware like, oh yeah, the family here in the, in the U S is structured that so that it's, it's about the individual. It's more like, it's more like what can I as a as a family member what can what can the family do to, you know for me yeah in order, in order for me to advance mm-hmm. in X Y and Z and so and that's what he talks about throughout the whole book and I could see that you know he describes it really well mm-hmm. and he didn't have to go like super deep and break every like every atom of of the family structure for me yeah. to understand it because I think. Within the next, within the first like few pages, we automatically could see that because we have experienced that, we have seen that, right? We have witnessed yeah. that. It's like the things he was pointing out were really obvious, but he just kind yeah. of like shined a little light on it of like, oh, take a look at this, right? Yeah. It's like, it's so it's crazy. So it's definitely like obvious, mm-hmm. right? And so he takes the time for us to like stop and really write down his observations, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, it was really well told. Yeah. Yeah. So now to kind of talk about what he views as the solution for this, mm-hmm. um, sort of like the other way of doing family and of viewing family. Mm-hmm. And the term that he comes back to time and time again is um, family teams. And yeah. if you know anything about Jefferson Bethke and like his work, um, he has like a whole ministry group 
um, organization centered around family teams and like teaching and encouraging families how to create a team mentality in their family. Yeah. And so that's kind of his whole, you know, campaign here. Mm-hmm. And it sounds great. And, you know, like, oh, family team. That sounds great. And it also sounds very easy to say of like, oh, we're a team. But he really breaks down like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. what is a team? And again, this is really pretty easy to understand because he just points to teams like sports teams and he describes Mm -hmm. like what does that look like and he sometimes he will contrast it with something else so like he'll talk about a team versus a club and so he talked about that a lot where a lot of times our our families in our culture are more used as a club Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I belong to this club. I belong to this family. Yeah. I might have the T-shirt. You know, maybe I look like the other members of my club. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily, we aren't really, like, bonded to each other. Mm-hmm. We, we're not facing, like, a, we don't have a mutual goal and, like, a mutual enemy. Yeah. You know, we're not fighting for anything in particular. It's just a club. Like, it's fun to come and hang out there. Mm-hmm. But that's not what makes up my identity. Right. And then he contrasts that with a team. And he talks about how teams have culture. Like Mm -hmm. they have their own culture. They have their own rituals. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, they have a goal that they're all working together for. Mm -hmm. None of the people on the team could be successful without the other people on the team. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he talks about like, I think he mentions like Steph Curry. And he talks about how like, could you imagine in like a post game interview if Steph Curry was interviewed about one of his teammates and he was just like, Oh yeah, that guy, like I didn't really need him yeah. to help me win this game. You know, he was saying like, that's not how team members talk about each other. No. Yeah. Um, so he describes how, if we viewed our families that way, every child that comes into a family, you know, every new addition to the family in whatever way that looks like, we would see that as somebody who our family needed in order to complete our team and to make our team more full and more successful. Yeah. And that I feel like is in some ways a radical idea. Right. Especially when it comes to siblings and thinking about how siblings, it's so often just assumed that siblings are going to be like at odds with each other Mm -hmm. and fighting for their parents' attention and just, like this constant conflict mm-hmm. and he just kind of flips that on its head and, and asks like, well, what if siblings saw each other as like an important part of their team? Mm-hmm. Oh, and he talked about like, so in this metaphor of a family team, the parents are obviously the, they like they're the coaches. Right. And he talks yeah. about the difference between like a coach and a babysitter and how like a babysitter's <laughs> job is to, just keep the child alive and safe. Right. But a coach has to know their player so well and like utilize them, mm-hmm. all of their gifts, all of their um, weaknesses, mm-hmm. know everything about them mm-hmm. and also know how to talk to them, how to bring the best out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was like such an inspirational way of thinking about parenthood. Right. You know, and I think it's funny, too, because I wouldn't think like, I don't know, I would kind of like tend to just roll my eyes at like a sports metaphor. But I was (laughs) like, that's actually 
this whole team idea is actually so appropriate for what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about, yeah, like coaching and how how it's so important to have like high expectations mm-hmm. of your team members, but also that they need to also have like the ability to fail. Yeah. You know, so high expectation where you do believe in them, but also that it's a safe envir- environment for them to, to fail and try again. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the general gist of the, the team mentality. Right. And he talks a lot about the way that family used to operate um, and sort of like the more ancient, I guess, ideas of family and kind of the, um, and, and he talks about, um, like you brought up, the families that he observed when he was in Jerusalem mm-hmm. and just how the family unit was so strong. It was also multi-generational. Yeah. You know, he talks about how um, elderly people are kind of, um, have kind of been hedged out of the like nuclear family ideal. Right. Like we don't, we like don't act like we need them anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about this multi-generational um, family that's working together as a unit all for mm-hmm. for one purpose and one goal that they share. Mm-hmm. And I think that he he goes into a lot of like practical ways of, you know, what this can look like. Yeah. And I think he makes it really clear that it doesn't mean that we have to go back to a time when families all like ran a business together mm-hmm. um, because that is kind of what he was talking about. And I thought it makes me think of the movie Coco and like <laughs> their family business of, of making shoes, right? you know? And that's really the way that it, that it used to be is that each family would kind of, um, they would have their own business and then they, they would just naturally pass it on to their children. Yeah. And so it kind of naturally created this team mentality because they were literally Mm -hmm. working together for something Mm -hmm. and in the book he makes it really clear that you know it's obviously not realistic that we're going to go back to that right and he also talks about it's also not realistic that everybody's going to be able to work from home Mm -hmm. and he makes that super clear because that's the whole book yeah because one of the things that he talks about is how one of like one of the main sort of pillars of his argument here is that the home should be the center of life and the center of activity for the family. Mm-hmm. And so he makes it super clear, though, that he's so, he said, I don't care if both parents work outside the home. I don't care if, you know, you're working full-time jobs or if you're a single parent or a special needs parent or whatever. Yeah. This, it, it's about the culture that you're creating in your home. Mm-hmm. So you might you might need to be or want to be spending 40 hours a week outside the home. Yeah. But still, it can be a team mentality and rather than just a club or a parking lot where your family comes and then, you know, just leaves to go and, and spend time with their other team. Mm-hmm. So he has really, really great practical examples from different families and, yeah. and practical ideas and all that, which I think we might talk about when we talk about like the things that kind of stood out to us. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much the the gist. Like that's kind of the argument, the you know, his like thesis for um taking back your family. Yeah. So um do you wanna share your thoughts on on that aspect of it or like on the family teams and if I missed anything or whatever? 
Um, I'll try not to echo what you said because I agree with what everything you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really thought it was a great um, book where it really emphasized on teams. Yeah. And he talks about it from like chapter to chapter, right? From beginning to end, he t- emphasized that the, the family should be viewed as a team, right? And that each member has an importance, right? They bring mm-hmm. something to the team. And that's the opposite of of how we, right, as a society, big, like, society in the U.S., we function, and that is being, it's all about us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about the in- individual. And so um, that's very apparent and and in people's lives right and so um he mentions like people moving out and looking forward to being out and never coming back yeah right? and thinking like well once i get out of this place you know i'm gone mm-hmm. you know instead of like you said right um making sure that the the family is is uh brings life and and and, and brings people together yeah. Right, that whether people are both both parents or the single parent is working outside of the home by the end of the day that that the family is structured as like we're doing this together mm-hmm. and that there's life within the home and and people are welcome to being the family and, and stick together. Yeah. Right. And I think that he makes it apparent that like it's better to do things together than mm-hmm. by yourself. Yeah. And he mentions like people doing things by themselves and at the end like that really just hurts the family and that person, you mm-hmm. know, and I think it's better to live together mm-hmm. than do things like alone. Um going back to the the whole like going back to like the team, right? Like describing the teams and stuff, he mentions my Golden State Warriors, right? Uh <laughs> he talks about like how the culture is really um all about um, being together, yeah. right? And their slogan is strength in numbers. Mm-hmm. And you can see that. Like, when one falls, everyone falls. And he also um, compared that to the well-known, popular um, Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan's uh, Chicago Bulls. That's mm-hmm. when he won six championships with that um, organization. And he talks about, like, even though they're, like, you could say, you could argue that they're the best of the best, mm-hmm they're not really known for doing things together. It was oh, all about okay. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And, and and so he was comparing that to the Golden State Warriors and like that dynasty of, of like how that's all about team. Yeah. You know, and so um going back to the family, like I think that um you could have like one individual like be this like the goat, right? The greatest of all time. But <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, like what what is that going to accomplish yeah right if, if people are not if you're not bringing people together if you're not like bringing people along with with you or mm-hmm. like you know doing things together um daily weekly monthly right it's a ritual yeah. thing um and going back to like also what you said about the it's a multi-generational thing like that that's really beautiful to to mention that like here in the u.s there there is a plethora of um what do you call those like um senior centers yeah yeah right and i think i think they talked about like compared i think he compared it to other countries and like here it's like that's a thing yeah they, that, that that's what that's how we deal with things we like as you get older we kind of shoo you away mm-hmm. 
you know, and focus on our personal goal. And right. we don't worry about like taking care of the old, the elderly, mm-hmm. right? Because that's going to interfere with like our success. Yeah. And so I love how like he paints a picture of like, again, going back to like the family dinners or whatever, that family event that there's, you know, from babies to um, grandparents, right? It, within the yeah. mix of things. One story he talks about is, uh, again, he highlights in each chapter, he highlights uh, a specific family. He was talking about how this family, this is towards the end of the, the book, that how this family, they they have an annual camping trip, right? And oh, yeah. um, they have, I think it's like a week long or so, they have like all the families, right? The siblings, the grandkids, the grandparents, and, and each day they dedicate, um, it's a the whole day for um, a specific set of families for them to share stories. Oh, yeah. And, and that's all it is, just share stories of the past, present, future, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talked about how they dedicated, um, like, the whole day. Actually, sorry, they dedicated specific, specific times throughout the day for, like, the families. And for the grandparents, that they dedicated the whole day. All, 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 it was all about them. Oh, okay. So more time, you know, so they could talk about their lives and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they said that at the end of that whole like trip, um, they learned things that they never have, uh, they would have never uh, heard of if it wasn't for that like annual trip. Yeah. So, like you said, like he talks about like um, the practical things. Like he talks about like this is what you could do, right? Yes. If it and and there's different, there's so many different examples yeah. of what you could do in order to um, have that like team family dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And um, yeah, and I want to mention that again. What you just said that there's a lot of practical things in here, and I, I, like. We don't want to spend, you know, like three hours going into every right. detail, but don't think that this is just like a hypothetical, like thought experiment. He really mm-hmm. gets into like the nitty gritty of yeah. how you can implement these things into your life. Yeah. And so with that, um, let's talk about some of the ideas or some of like some of the, some of the ideas and some of the um, maybe practical things also that stood out to us the most. Um, and I have a few that are more like ideas that he mentioned, and then we can get into like the the practical stuff if mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is kind of jumping back to his conversation about like what the problem is, mm-hmm. and one just thought that really, really, um, when I read it, it just struck me was he talked about the as he was describing the way that families are kind of built to fall apart, mm-hmm. he mentioned how, you know, fatherlessness is such a huge problem. Yeah. And, um, and he even mentions how like, that's kind of an obvious, an obvious right. one. And he mentioned like, it's really easy to kind of harp on like the, this deadbeat dad trope, mm-hmm. but you know, he talked about himself growing up in a fatherless home mm-hmm. and he was saying that in our current society, that the mentality is often to just very quickly like pick yourself up from your bootstraps and move forward and yeah. like, well, I didn't need them anyway. Like right. I didn't need this person anyway. Mm-hmm. And he talked about this idea of like, can we just sit in it for a second though and let it be sad? And that was something that like resonated with me so deeply of like, 
Yes, there's healing. Yes, there is a time to to move on and realize that family can look different right. for each person and for each group. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a mom and a dad and three children. It's okay to let it be sad when mm-hmm. families are um, torn apart for whatever reason, whether mm-hmm. that's death or divorce or who knows what. Yeah. And that just really struck me. It's like he, he was just saying kind of like we've lost the ability to just like grieve these things mm-hmm. and to to just sit in that emotion for a little bit and to realize that that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Like living, having, um, you know, your father leave you or whatever the situation is, like that's not, um, that's not ideal and it is sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to define you, mm-hmm. but it's okay to, to just let it be sad for a little while. Yeah. So that was a really, that just like really struck me, like I said. Mm-hmm. And then two other things um, that were just sort of these like, psh, like mind blown <laughs> moments. One of them is that he mentioned how um, in a lot of like conservative Christian circles that there's this idea of like, we just need to get back to like the traditional family. And right, yeah. and he pointed out, he's like, but what they're actually advocating for is not a biblical view of family. They're just talking about leave it to beaver. And yeah. he was saying like, what they're talking about is a version of family that actually didn't exist until like the 1950s and came about as a result of the industrial revolution where mm-hmm. the father was now required to spend the majority of his day outside of the home mm-hmm. working and then the mom took on all the responsibility of raising the children. Yeah. And he was like, that's not a biblical view of family. Yeah. And he said, of course, having the dad be the primary breadwinner and the mom be the primary caregiver isn't wrong. And you can certainly have a healthy family that looks like that, Mm -hmm. but that is not the only way to do family. Mm -hmm. And that is not what we should be advocating for as believers of saying like, this is God's view of family. Right. And he was like, no, that's just a, like something that you saw on TV and it really does have to do with this same nuclear family ideal that he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned later in the book that one pitfall that people can run into when they try to implement this whole um, kind of uh, what's the word? Um, There's a word that's like on the tip of my tongue, like not dynasty. What's the word of like dynamic something shift like a blank shift. A uh, stick shift, not a reality shift, but like a it's right there on the tip of my tongue, anyway. Doesn't matter. Um, but he said that one of the pitfalls that people can run into when trying to create a family team is that the family itself becomes the mission. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that that's not the goal. Your family creating like this perfect looking family is not the goal, right? And so yeah. it's about your family being on mission together for mm-hmm. something else. Like you need to figure out as a family what your mission is yeah. that's been given to you by God, but your family, it you cannot be your own mission. Right. <laughs> and I thought that was a really good point mm-hmm. that sometimes I think that we can get so caught up in like just having this family that like where everybody is, everybody's happy and fulfilled. And that kind of goes back to the whole individualism thing. Yeah. And that's not actually your family working together. That's just kind of making an idol out of your own picture of what you want your family to look like. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really, and a really important thing to note. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, those are things you mentioned, right? Like um, having the dad work and the the mother stay at home. That has been like uh, instilled in this, like the U.S. society mm-hmm. for what you said, 1950s. That's like 70, 70 plus years, years yeah. right? And so I think it's hard for people to step out of that because it has been passed down from generation to generation. So Mm -hmm. it is hard, but um, it doesn't mean it's impossible. And, um, and like he said, right. He, uh, in the book, like he advocates also for like, whatever it is, like how your family looks, that's, that's what it is. Right. If, if, (laughs) if um, the dad has a great job, then that's it, you know, and the mom stays at home, that that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's given examples of just different ways how family just he's given different um examples of family and what that looks like right where the dad is a stay-at-home dad and the mom while the mom works or mm-hmm. something like that right um or both people work uh, outside of the house mm-hmm. so i think it's important to mention like that how this whole um idea of 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 having one parent stay at home and while well, the parent leaves for mm-hmm. work how that started yeah right and he really breaks it down in that one specific cha- chapter when t- when he talks about the industrial revolution mm-hmm. we're not going to break it down here but um and, and so i think it was really well told and i think it's like very factual like he breaks down like here's how things went down and he, and he compares our work life our life as like machines and talks about like how the machines really like messed our social life and our family dynamics because because of the machines that allowed us to have spend less time with our families Mm -hmm. right and then through that he talks about like how it's really important to have like your day of rest or your just your your moment your like evening or whatever your day your whole day has been together as a family yeah um and and like making it like highly like uh important and like mm-hmm. nothing's going to like like let it be known that with like within your um children as they get older like that oh today is like thursday you know five o'clock or whatever like that means that i need to be home yeah because I want to be home too, right? Yeah. Um, so there, there's that. And then the last point, like you said, right, the whole, like, the family should be on mission. It shouldn't be the mission. Yeah. I think that's really important to understand that because, we, like you mentioned briefly, that we're so fixated on, like, how our family should function and, and ultimately, like, what our family should be should look like. Mm-hmm. And obviously now in the 21st century with, like, you know, uh, cameras right in front of faces and you know mm-hmm. wanting to like um deliver this message to the world that we are like great right right and, and there's um naturally i think that that causes some um some uh comparisons mm-hmm. right in the struggles and so i think it's just unhealthy it, it could be unhealthy right yeah uh, if you let it be and so um i think those two points that you mentioned i think they're really important and uh um yeah, the, the book really captured those two things really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One other one I just wanted to mention quickly was about um, teenagers. Yeah. Which I thought this was super interesting where um, he talked about how your kids, he said, like, we're, we're not really designed to have multiple, um, like, primary loyalties. Like, and so basically he was saying, if your child is not committed to your team, they're going to find another one. 
Oh, yes. So, like, yes. if they don't feel like they're part of this team, then their primary team is going to become their friends or their sports mm-hmm. team or something else. Yeah. And while there's nothing wrong with that, he's saying that that shouldn't be their primary team. It yes. should be the family. And obviously that um, not only could be talked about teenagers, but also just any family member, regardless of the age. Like, yeah, I think that's very um, important to note that. Yeah, he was talking about teenagers, but I think that at one point he was talking about just like a family member in general. Right. Right. That like it's important to establish those things at the very beginning right um, yes to to make that important that like they're the family's there um for that person yeah yeah and the the thing that he was talking about specifically with teenagers is he said i'm going to read a little excerpt from the book he says if your spouse were to go from warm loving and connected to bitter mean resentful secretive and standoffish what would you automatically assume 99 percent of the time And then he says one word, affair, right? And he said Mm -hmm. that psychotherapists have noted a handful of specific behaviors that almost always show up in people who are cheating on their spouse. And he said, number one, they become secretive. Number two, there's an intense infatuation or chemistry with a new person. Mm -hmm. Number three, they they begin to complain about their spouse to this new person. And then number four, they have little energy or time for their spouse. Yeah. He said that those behaviors, if you think about it, describe how we would define a normal teenager and mm-hmm. their relationship to their family and specifically their parents. So they become secretive. They become infatuated with some somebody or some other group of people. Yeah. They start to complain about their parents to the other person and they have no time or energy for their parents and their family. Mm-hmm. And we view that as normal as like that's just part of being a teenager yeah and i was like uh, that was very mind-blowing to me Mm -hmm. how those are literally the behaviors that describe somebody who's having an affair right and he was just pointing that out of like what if that wasn't just seen as normal Mm -hmm. and and he was saying how you know in other cultures that's not how teenagers view their families yeah and so what what's going on you know and Mm -hmm. that's kind of where he i think is going back to that idea of like all members of the family are important and should feel like they're a part of the team yeah so that was just uh super interesting Mm -hmm. definitely i think that's really cool like again right he um points out the obvious and then like um but with a with a different angle Mm -hmm. to it and and so i think that really um was mind blowing to like uh, break, understand like the mind of a teenager. It's like we we would ask like, well, this is typical teenager stuff, but at the end, it's like maybe it's not. Maybe it's not right. Maybe it's something else. And and so he highlights that and mm-hmm. backs it up with like data, right? Yeah, which I love. So uh, I think that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So last but not least, I want to talk about like what are some things that, like how did this inspire us or give us ideas for things that we would want to implement in our own family because i definitely have some like big takeaways from it and we haven't talked about this no we have not on the practical side i think i really was able to uh, easily come up with ideas right mm-hmm. like they mentioned like he mentions right like family um 
annual events. Mm-hmm. The storytelling, I think that I think that's very fascinating. That's something that I would love to to implement in our family. I think I think lately, I think that this past few years, I think ever since like taking care of um, an elderly in back in Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, I think I've really have become more like. Um, Infatuated with like older people and mm-hmm. and uh and that has like that has also been um like i guess applied to like my family mm-hmm. and uh and so I am like naturally genu- genuinely like intrigued with like their stories like with my parents' stories and hearing what they have to say and I thought well maybe I think it's because of like, being older mm-hmm. you know and, and I'm able to be more patient and listen to stuff but I think that I'm just kind of like breaking through certain things like um, old habits right and, yeah. and uh, applying these new things and so uh, I didn't think about it until now dedicating like time with like um, our older people in, in our family, I think mm-hmm. that's very uh, important. And that speaks volumes to the people behind you. But what I mean by that, it's like the younger people, yeah. right? Whether it be your um, your own kids or your siblings, right? Yeah. I think that that really speaks volumes because also um, I'm sure you would want that, right? Like you would mm-hmm. want people to not just forget about you um, because everyone has like in the day everyone's valuable right like there's there's beauty in in life and yeah and so um and it's very fascinating to like hear uh people's stories and so i would like to implement the storytelling mm-hmm. events and although uh he he mentions this about like vacations how they're important and stuff and like that would be great i love how he broke down like uh vacations and like how we should view them mm-hmm. and not like well you shouldn't think about vacations as like uh, an escape, you know, to like escape right. your, your your life. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and I'll have like a T minus, you know, countdown and your back of your head uh, whenever you think about vacations, but to um, see vacations as a, um, just another like bonus time to, to spend time with family because he talks about like, you could easily um, think that vacation is going to save your family. You right. know, and, mm-hmm. and he said, Well, like that's most likely not gonna happen. Like a vacation to a vacation to Disneyland, for example, is not going to um be the answer to to your um to your family and how you treat other people, right? Yeah. Your yeah. children or whatever, or your wife. It's it's a daily things. Mm-hmm. He talks about like doing daily things, right? And, and weekly things. So he talks about like, you know, um, making a ritual thing out of a specific day and figure out a, a time in a day. It doesn't have to be the weekend. It could be the weekday. Um, so I think that I would impl- uh, implement those things. Um, and the last thing I want to say is what I got out of this is that team, right? That's kind of the, the golden word here of the day <laughs> is that uh, family should be viewed as a team. Yeah. And so I love all these ex- the examples he gave and there's something we've talked about briefly preparing for this book about like how we should view our family. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's very cool. Like this book is going to be, I'm going to reread this maybe because I think it's important to um, apply the certain things that he mentions to um, our family. I mm-hmm. think like as we are planning to foster again, right. Yeah. In the future and 
um, possibly adopt. Like all those things are th some things that we're really considering mm -hmm. doing, right? And um, so there's going to be different family dynamics. And so we want to have like a strong foundation when it comes to family and, and outside of like our quote unquote nuclear family, right? With like your family and then my family. Like, yeah. Finding a way to to uh, make it be known that we want to put family first. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to go. Uh, I know we're running out of time, but I'll just say this. We'll definitely bring back the topic of family. We are almost approaching um, Thanksgiving. And uh, before <laughs> before Thanksgiving, there's an episode. I'm going to call it uh, the, the in-law syndrome. I'm very passionate about that episode about that topic because like as he as um as as the author here talks about like just how certain things like how families viewed here in the US like in-laws are also like part of the family mm -hmm. and he, I don't think he talks about too much about that. Right. Um but that's something that I want to bring up is that as we're talking about, like, yeah, you know, bringing people in, like children and stuff, like, but there's also in-laws that exactly. are coming into the the picture. Yeah. And so the question is, like, how are we viewing the in-laws, mm -hmm. right? So I'm very passionate about um, the 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 episode coming up before Thanksgiving because there's a lot a lot of stuff I gotta say about yeah. in-laws yeah, and the sure. the problem of it, uh, how we view in-laws and and my experience and our, our thoughts and stuff. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. No, that's great. Two things that kind of go together that stood out to me a lot were um, rituals and along with that, the Sabbath. Yeah. I think rituals are something that kind of come naturally to me and I think us. Um, something that we've kind of like tried to implement. And, you know, I think it's cool how he talks about how teams almost always have like some rituals that they do like before the game or mm -hmm. after the game or whatever. I think that's something that we've kind of already naturally started to apply um yeah and certain things that we do like every year on a certain day like you know watching a certain movie mm -hmm. um and different things like that and we naturally started just doing like um friday night date nights yeah um it kind of just happened like we went we didn't like sit down and plan it it just sort of started happening yeah so i think that we're naturally kind of like gravitate we kind of gravitate toward that anyway right i know that when we were parenting we sort of naturally fell into these. It's different than a rhythm because a ritual is like something that it's like a special time. Mm -hmm. It's not just a mundane daily thing. And so mm -hmm. certain things that we would do with our kids at certain times, like movie nights and pizza nights and things like that. Yeah. And I know that as a kid, I really think that those are the things that you will remember and that are can be like really special times to you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think like making the holiday is really special and always doing certain things the same way, whether that's like how you decorate the tree or yeah. what you eat on a certain day yeah. and things like that. You know, um, I had a friend growing up who I think every year on the first day of school and she was homeschooled, but they would always have cinnamon rolls like for breakfast on the first day of school. And that was like a big special treat that they looked forward to every single year. Mm -hmm. And um, I think r that rituals are something that I really want to implement, especially with having a baby, you know, like we've parented before, but we've never had a baby. Yeah. And so I think the idea of getting to like create these rituals for him from literally the time he's born. Yeah. It's really cool. And obviously those will change and like transform as he grows. 
but certain things that like that he might be able to say like I don't ever remember a time when we didn't do this thing. Right. You know, whether that's, like I said, a Christmas thing or whatever it is. <laughs> so rituals, I think, are something that can really, they kind of cement your, that, that, that like team mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I think it's also beautiful when you can invite other people into your family's ritual, whether that's extended family or it's friends or it's other people. Right. You know, it's not a, an exclusive thing. Yeah. But it's something that you can also include other people in. Yeah. And then with that, um, he talks about the importance of Sabbath, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. The importance of having a day where it's rest and it's just a time to um like to worship and to spend together as family. He he says actually in the book that this is the thing whenever people ask him, like, where do I start? Like, I want to transform my family into a family team. Where do I start? <laughs> yeah. He always says, like, hands down. No question, start with a Sabbath. And he said, it doesn't yeah. have to be on Sunday. It doesn't have to be on the weekend. It can be whatever day you choose. It could be half a day if that's all you can do for now. Mm-hmm. Create a Sabbath ritual for your family, something that you know you always do and you set aside this time. And he talks about the sometimes the pushback that he gets from it and how he likes to counter that with saying like, um, but we already, our, our culture already knows how to do this. Look at the way that we view sports. Look at the way that we view right. football. Yeah. And so he's, you know, he said when people question like, but how could I set aside a whole day just to focus on, on my family? He's like, <laughs> but you do it with football. Yeah. And like, how could I spend all this time preparing the food and blah, 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 and whatever. And he's like, but you do it with football. And I yeah. loved that because it was like, again, so obvious, but it's right. like, yes, you can yeah. implement this in yeah. whatever way works for you and your people. Yeah. But but that's something that I would love to um, be more intentional about mm-hmm. and really figuring out like, okay, what does Sabbath look like for our family? Right. And how can we make that a special time and, and be consistent with it so that it's every, you know, it's a weekly thing. Totally. Yeah. I definitely uh, learned a ton of, 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 uh, of well, like how to family, right? It is put <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not a how-to right. book, right? It's it's more like here's information, right? And here's the like um, educate yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. about um, like the struggles of family structure here in the U.S. and and the reasons why it's this way, right? And and what we could do to uh, fight back, right? And take and ultimately take back your family, right? Yeah. Because it has been taken away, right? By X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So how could we? Um, Bring that family back. Yeah. And I'm very excited. I there's another thing that came to mind was like I'm very excited to um I, I think I've done this uh, like um from time to time where I like see I think I'm good at like understanding the strengths, right? And and I think weaknesses too, but I understanding like my strengths and like your strengths and mm-hmm. like being excited to and understand like anyone that, uh, that comes into this family as well, right? And and to really study like their strengths and weaknesses yeah. and to speak life into that. And um, as that, that's one of my strengths, I believe to, you know, mm-hmm. to encourage people. So that's, that's something that I'm very excited about. Yeah. We can just keep talking about like, you know, some cool ways and stuff that we learned and everything. But ultimately like I, we highly recommend this book, right? Yeah. 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. So I think we're getting really 
good at book reviews. I think uh, this one was a little easier just because of the uh, there there were some key like themes, right? And so it's easier yeah. to talk about that. <laughs> yes, there was there were very clear threads like throughout the book that were easy to follow. Yeah, so I think this is the best book review so far. Well, it's only the second one, isn't it? I think it was, I think it's the third one. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the second, but you might be right. Or a second, I don't know. I don't know, but anyway, it yeah, it was really good and. <laughs> Like you said, 10 out of 10 recommend. And I really would encourage anybody to read this. And also don't think that like you got like everything from us because there's so many things that we, that he talked about that we did not get into. Yeah. Practical things and also more of the like, I, you know, ideas behind this. And, you know, he yeah. talks a lot about sibling dynamics. He talks mm-hmm. about a lot more um, of the history of different things. He talks about... Yeah. Um, like the culture and like uh, the hustle culture, which, you know, yeah. his other book that I also highly recommend is To Hell with the Hustle. And mm-hmm. you can see some of that creep into to this book, you know, yeah. because they are connected. Totally. So there's a lot more that I think you could, you could gain from it. So definitely I suggest reading it. Yeah. And yeah. So thank you to Jefferson Bethke for writing this book. Definitely, for sure. I'm very excited about uh the future, you know, I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, yeah, and there's definitely like things that will stick with me. This wasn't just yeah. something where you read it and you're like, oh, that sounds cool. And then you like close the book and you kind of forget about it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> like there's stuff that I really think is going to like stick with us and inform the way we do things going forward. And one thing I was thinking about at the beginning was the idea of family teams. Like that's that's language that you and I have used before. Yeah. Um, I think we, we say that to each other sometimes of like, well, remember we're a team or yes. like, you know, we're a team on this. And I think that this book really helped to kind of in a way clarify and solidify, like, what do we mean when we say that though? <laughs> exactly. Cause it's easy to say for sure. But yeah. what does that mean? And what does that mean when there's uh, also more people in our, on our team mm-hmm. than just the two of us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a beauty, right? It's that, uh, it's something that we learn as we go, and um, and as there's more people added to the to the family, it's uh, something that we get to invite them, you know, and and make them part of the of the journey. Yeah. All right, so that is it for today. Thank you guys for listening. We, um, I've been really excited about this episode for a long time, so I hope you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I hope that you got something out of it, just like we got something out of the book. And I hope that you go read it. Also, you can find Jefferson Bethke on Instagram if you want to follow <laughs> him there and, you know, learn more from him that way. If you've not given us a review, you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. Uh, we're excited for, you know, more upcoming things that we have to talk about. We actually have another book review uh, coming up later this year. Yeah. And yeah, so that's it. Thanks for being here. <laughs> and as Jefferson Bethke says, Yahweh sets the lonely in families, not to nursing homes, not in front of a screen, not among their peers. The place God has for lonely and isolated people, a family. See, See you, you next time. time. The doctor said I might have sleep. What, what's it called? Amnesia? Yeah. No. No sleep. <laughs> sleep amnesia. Sleep apnea, right? Yeah. Okay, I got it.